let's not forget that DataViz is a very complex design space. We try to make it possible for journalists to build better charts for their web articles. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Moritz Stefana and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. And I am Enrico Bertini, I am a professor at NYU in New York City and I do research in data visualization. And on this podcast, we talk about data visualization, analysis and generally the role data plays in our lives. And our podcast is listener supported, so there are no ads for mattresses or tools for building websites or something like this. So just in <laughs> case you like the show and you find yourself listening a lot, please consider supporting us on patreon.com slash data stories. Yeah, and uh, what we usually do here is we invite a guest uh, to talk about some interesting topics. And today or we have two, two guests. <laughs> exactly, right? So today we have two guests. We have uh, Lisa Rost and Gregor Aish from Data of Rapper. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey, hi. <laughs> Welcome on the show. Very happy to have you on. It's nice to have from time to time some old friends coming over. I think both of you have been on the show at least once in the, in the past. And um, yeah, it's a good feeling. I think Gregor, <laughs> you, you've been on the, on the show, what, number number two, number three? <laughs> I think, yeah, it's also one of the first one. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I really and I really enjoy what became of uh, Data Stories. You guys have improved so much. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Lisa, you, you've been on the show, what, a, a few years back as well? <laughs> so Yeah, for a really short episode, actually. But it's, it's nice to be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, today we, we mainly want to talk about uh, Data Wrapper and what is happening there. So both of you recently moved to this new position and company, and we have seen a lot of interesting things already coming from your side. I've, I was personally blown away from, <laughs> by the stuff that you're producing. And um, so maybe we should start by talking about Data Wrapper. What is Data Wrapper and um, yeah, what you're doing there? And yeah, and all the rest. So what is Data Wrapper? Uh, all right. Um, so Data Wrapper is an uh, online tool uh, that lets people create uh, charts and maps and tables uh, without requiring any coding skills. Um, you can embed your visualizations on your website or download them as images. And um, yeah, we have, we have a free version um, that works for mo most uh, smaller websites or blogs. And uh, as well as a paid version for larger website and teams and newsrooms. Um, yeah, in terms of the company, um, Data Wrapper is a pretty small startup, like not in the uh, Airbnb or SoundCloud kind of startup with $100 million <laughs> budgets. Uh, like we are six people in a room um, and we are completely self-funded with no outside investors. And um, yeah, last year we opened our first office space here in Berlin, and uh, yeah, now we are uh, very excited to uh, to do this thing properly. I should say before before we had this uh, uh, office and like people on staff, we were just uh, uh, two to three people working um, like on data rubber in their spare time. So um, 
there was Mirko Lawrence working at Deutsche Welle, um, me doing freelancing or uh, working uh, at the New York Times um, in the graphics department. And um, yeah, and now we are uh, trying this new chapter. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a very like slow and organic growth, basically, to first build a very like simple tool, but that found, I think, also quick adoption really, really quickly. And now you're taking this next leap and, and yeah, try to become like a, a real a player, I guess, in, in, in the market of data visualization tools. Uh, can you tell us a bit, like, how do you position yourself maybe compared to other tools that are out there? There's so many like platforms and toolkits and applications that let you create charts, like charts. What do you think sets data wrapper apart or what's your specific focus maybe? Uh, sure. I can talk about that. Um, so Data Wrapper is a tool that's pretty niche, so it's like easy to be set apart from other tools, I guess. Uh, we just try to do one thing right, which is uh, we try to make it possible for journalists to build better charts for their web articles. Mm -hmm. So journalists can't code most of the time, so there is no coding required when using Data Wrapper. And yeah, that sets it apart from like... Um, I guess like half of the database tools out there, like from tools like D3JS or like Vegalite, um, which are also great tools. Um, so we're also focusing more on the presentation side. So in contrast to, for example, Tableau, which focuses more on analytics, uh, and in contrast to RAW, that density design tool, um, which focuses more on print designers, I think, um, because until now you can only export an SVG or a PNG from RAW. So when creating a data wrapper chart, you don't get an SVG or a PNG out of there. You can you get an embed code at the end. And our charts are then responsive by default. They load quickly and they're interactive and it makes sense. Um, yeah, and we also want to make sure that our users build good charts so that they are quickly <laughs> understandable. Um, so we are asking ourselves a lot, um, do people understand chart type X, like tree maps, um, Or do people understand heat maps? Um, and so far, we have not included more statistical um, or financial chart types uh, like box, box plots or like candlesticks or 3D charts. Um, mm -hmm. Plotly does it, for example. Like Plotly is doing a really great job uh, focusing more on the scientific community, I would say. Yeah. But actually, actually, there are a lot of tools out there that are very similar to DataWrapper. So... Um, These are all the newsroom charting tools. They also don't require coding and they also focus on presentation and they basically do the same thing that we do, but just internally for newsrooms. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the New York Times has, has their tool, um, Mr. Chartmaker, and the Neue Zürcher Zeitung in Zurich has Q and Quartz mm -hmm. has Chartbuilder. Um, and they are built to integrate really, really well with the publishing system of one specific newsrooms. And That's something we can't do as well. So they are better positioned with that. Um, but when it comes to actually building the charting tool, um, I would say we do have more resources than these newsrooms. So often these tools are being built by newsroom developers who might actually want to spend some more time on like actual stories. I guess that's why mm -hmm. they wanted to work there in the first place. Um, so they can't or they don't want to focus on just building the charting tool for the newspapers. And, well, we don't have that problem. We are really happy to just build a great charting tool. <laughs> yeah, and not every newspaper can also afford to have like a couple of developers and designers constantly working on their own toolkits, right? 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, we also have a lot of uh, maps, which is, uh, I would say, also sets up apart from from some other tools. So uh, we're like going towards 400 base maps. So like from from a world map template to like city districts of Zurich or Berlin. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and that's something that our users appreciate very much. And now you also have cardograms, I have seen. So. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I love because I'm a huge cardogram fan. So. Yeah, and I think also this, this expertise that uh, both of you bring in really shows. Um, uh, also, what I really liked about the whole editing aspect is that annotations are really treated well because this is something that's often often an afterthought in like traditional tools, like, oh, somebody might want to make, have <laughs> nice labels right next to the lines or might want to highlight the peak yeah. here. And these things, I think you built in right from the start because from your experience, Gregor, at uh, New York Times building like really sophisticated visualizations, I guess you knew about the value of, of text and, and annotation there. Yeah, that's always the most important thing to to. As as my former colleague Amanda Cox uh, like to say, you need to take the reader by the hand and guide them through the graphic, and tell them what's important and what's uh, interesting about this, and why should you read? Why should you read this? Why should you look at this? Yeah. And this is something that's yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's hard to to build well into a generic tool. But I think um, yeah, you sort of pulled it off, and uh, that's that's <laughs> great to see. So, what would you say? Like, who's using the tool? Is it like medium-sized newspapers? Is it um, small ones? Is it also some some big ones? Is it also users beyond? Just uh, like media or, or newspapers, uh, do you also know about corporate users or students? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, so I, I would say there's a there's a wide range of people using it. Um, so on one side we have uh, like individual users uh, who are using the free version um, to just uh, uh, embed charts or maps on their website or for or on social media. Um, but then we also have users in newsrooms, as you mentioned. That's probably the biggest group, I would say. And but also NGOs who mm -hmm. collect data and want to communicate data. Um, there's uh, and there are other publishing companies who are in somehow in the in the business of um, um, communicating with data. Um, we have a lot of teachers who use it in journalism schools and uh, uh, some researchers uh, in universities use it to publish their findings. Um, yeah, um, geographically, I would say it's. We we have users all around the world, but uh, there's a heavy dominance on Europe and uh, US, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you both have been at previous jobs, right, and decided both of you to go to data wrapper. So I think Lisa has a background in design and data journalism. She's been blogging for for quite some time with lots of interesting articles. And and Gregor was at uh, New York Times. So what what led you to yeah, to work for Data Wrapper. Well, I got excited about working at Data Wrapper because Krieger convinced me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I mean, it, it's it's great to work together with someone who who knows so much about data journalism and about interactive graphics. And I'm really learning a lot from him, so that's great. And yeah, he also told me that I would publishing about DataVis the whole day long, and that I would be responsible <laughs> for the blog. And well, I couldn't say no to that. Um, <laughs> As Enrico mentioned, I did that before, so I knew I would enjoy that. Um, yeah, but I didn't actually know so much about Data Wrapper uh, in like summer or autumn last year. Um, but 
while getting to know the company, I was actually quickly impressed by how much I felt like I'm very much on the same page with the mission mm -hmm. of DataWebber. So mm -hmm. the tool, like DataWebber, the people here, they want journalists to build better charts. And that's something I want to do too. Like I want journalists to have the skills to build charts themselves. Um, because, yeah, while working in newsrooms, um, I saw kind of firsthand how much a good charting tool is needed there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. While being on graphics or interactive teams, like we got emails saying like, here are four numbers. Can you build us a bar chart? And <laughs> you know, like my coworkers were like super talented. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. They have like these awesome D3 skills and front-end skills and UX and storytelling and data analytics. Like I don't want them to build simple bar charts. Like simple bar charts are really simple. <laughs> there should be mm, a tool yeah. that makes it a matter of minutes. Um, mm, sure. Yeah, and I tried a lot of tools. Um, like I also wrote blog articles about. You wrote an epic comparison. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> epic comparison yeah. of all the charting tools. So, yeah, yeah. Well, like twenty-four of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much all of them. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think. And yeah. you were still not happy, right? You were still like, yeah, sort of. There's pros and cons to all of them. That's Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. Well, DataWeb didn't have a scatter plot uh, feature back then, so I couldn't actually compare it. Nah. Like, um, nah. But like when trying the scatter um, plot feature that Gregor built for DataWeb, I was like, okay, that is that is a good tool, this and is that fixed. is my best bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had this the scatter plot feature lying around for like like. 80% done for a year and then this blog post came out and I was like damn we need, we need, to, we need, to, put, we need to add the scatterplot right now <laughs> seems to be a gap there yeah 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 yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And also when you told me uh, sometime last year you would join Data Rapper, I was like, huh, wh why is that? I was like uh, slightly puzzled, but now I'm so happy to see that you can just continue to do the work you've done before. Like yeah. write all these interesting blog posts and really think about like what's effective in terms of design and, and communication. And I think that's... It's also great that you have this blog where you talk about a bit more what people do with charts or how you can use it instead of just putting out the tool. I think that's a great uh, combination. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is so useful. I've been thoroughly enjoying your your blog post. Is like, I really, I mean, it may seem trivial, but walking people hand by hand, right, exactly explaining how certain charts work is, is not obvious at all. So mm. just making it explicit out there and guide people through what are the options and uh, what are the pros and cons of every option and doing it in a way that is not too excessively orthodox, right? So <laughs> I think that's that's incredibly useful. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a it's been a lot of fun. So, Lisa, are you now writing blog posts all day, or are you also doing other <laughs> things at the company? Um, yeah, well, blogging is really my main activity here, Data Webber. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it takes a lot of time. Like, I write these oh, totally. more like yeah. longer blog articles. I wrote about like what to consider when creating area charts or line charts, or mm. I publish articles about like how to choose a color palette for coroplat maps. And yeah, that's that's definitely time consuming, like going from researching and reading papers and reading other blog posts and like reading chapters and books. And then I draw illustrations and then I restructure the whole blog post. And then I realized that the blog post became way too long and then I killed all of my darlings. <laughs> and it all takes so much time. Um, yeah. Like I'm working on a blog post like at least a day, I guess, if not two mm -hmm. or three, depending on the research. 
um, mm -hmm. until I'm happy. And yeah, I'm trying to publish one of these big blog posts every or every second week. Um, but I'm also publishing a weekly chart every Thursday. It's like right. a way smaller version where I explain mm -hmm. why I decided to design a chart um, the way I did. So I'm explaining my chart choices. Yeah. And at the same time, you can show off what data wrapper can do, right? So it's yeah, exactly. educational, but also like good for the for showing the tool. So I think that's great. It's also yeah. good for ourselves because we find all the bugs. Uh -huh. <laughs> <while> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you want to explain something like why it works this way, or yeah, you want to do something really cool, and then yeah, when you hit a wall, you know, you need to work on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's that's a big point actually that we uh, like we working on on data wrapper like. This, the tool came out in 2012, but it was not until Lisa joined the team that we had someone in the team who, who was like actively using our own tool. We were like, oh, building the tool or, or working on the tool in some way, but we were not users ourselves. And I, I, I had the feeling that this is this could be a problem <laughs> at some point. <laughs> um, uh, we had a slight corrective with like, um, we would do workshops and, uh, trainings with uh, journalists and then we had to watch them use data wrapper which is a can be a painful experience if you were working on the tool um, but yeah it's definitely better to do this inside the company mm. uh, yeah I'm always annoying Gregor with like all these bugs I find and can you fix that and this one and this is not okay and, um, and I'm amazed by how patient Gregor is with all these all these tickets I give him <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's something, Gregor, I wanted to ask you anyways, because I know it's really hard to get like a software like running in the first place, but then also to keep it running and like to fix all the bugs and like also not to be bogged down by all these features you have developed and then it needs to work on every browser. And yeah, there's all these tickets coming in and so on. So how, how's your experience like? So in the past at New York Times and other places, you did more of these, I guess, often more one-time projects and often very ambitious ones, really cool uh, visualizations. And now you're in this totally different mode of building a long-term tool and platform. So how's that experience for you? And how's the difference from from the the one hit, uh, <laughs> hit and runs? <laughs> um, I, I think it's just been very interesting to... Uh, to work at the New York Times and um, to get to work with these amazing colleagues like Amanda Cox or Kevin Quilly and others. Um, but yeah, you mentioned we did a, a bunch of uh, like weird one-offs, but there was also a lot of uh, breaking news work involved. Um, so uh, there's always, there's something satisfying about um, working on one thing and doing this one thing right, uh, as opposed to starting a new thing every two weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it, it's 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 definitely fun, and it's uh, it's also you, you get a lot of um, uh, excitement and, and adrenaline and working on breaking news. But I was kind of uh, ready uh, after like almost four years to to try something something else. And I'm I'm actually I'm not uh, I'm not new into the tool thing. I was just like preparing for this uh, for this podcast. I I looked through the projects that I did in the past, and there's there's a whole bunch of tools that I worked on. Hmm. Also at the New York Times, you built on a, an internal tool, at right? At the New York Times, I was working on this, uh, Lisa mentioned the tool, Mr. Chartmaker. Mm. Um, 
And uh, before I joined the New York Times, I was working on a mapping library. Uh, there was a color library that I'm still maintaining, uh, True. a Python yeah. library for working with databases. And uh, I think the first uh, the first tool I built was a, a, a weird uh, David McCandless visualization uh, that we called the radial bubble tree uh, that I turned into <laughs> the an radial open source. What's the radial, the radial bubble tree? Bubble tree? <laughs> I, oh, I remember I, for I sent budgets, you a link. like for there the was budget like for budget spending. Yeah, it's an alternative cool. to a tree map. Um, yeah. So, and I turned that into an open source library, uh, hoping that people would would u- reuse it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that experience had led me to the belief that it, 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 it's good for a tool that it which does not require. Uh, uh coding coding skills because i had a lot of feedback from all these tools that i built um that were like that's really nice i want to use it but uh how does html even work um or <laughs> something like that so yeah, so there's yeah. like the entry point to to just even reusing a library and just copy and pasting an example uh is very high it's higher than 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 i i i thought it would be uh, so that makes sense. And also, D three is ridiculously complex. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for for normal people. I mean, yeah, just making a bar chart in D three is something yeah. that that drives people crazy in all these uh, uh, <laughs> teaching class and classes and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so if I was, I enjoyed working at the Times, but I I, I was uh, ready to uh, to go back to Data Wrapper. Um, actually, I worked on Data Wrapper. Um, we haven't talked about this, but um, before before I joined the times. So, uh, when I got the, the, the job offer and, uh, we moved to New York in 2014, I, I kind of left data wrapper behind, um, which is, it was a hard decision to make, but, uh, obviously, um, you, you, I, I didn't want to say no to, to this opportunity. And, um, but I, all this time I, f- I felt like, I still owe data wrapper that I that I go back and fix some of these bugs that are annoying users all this time. Uh, so um, it, it I I feel good going back to this. Um, and also also all this all the things that I that I learned in the newsroom are now uh, shaping the future of of data mm-hmm. wrapper and no like having seen um, uh, journalists using um, in this case it was another charting tool but using this charting tool really helped me. Uh, understand the the target audience better than i had before yeah and of course also all the the recurring problems all the things yeah that keep being so tedious where it's like oh i wish there was a better solution for these things and now you have a chance to to build them right yeah Yeah. so it looks like when you look at the landscape of of data visualization tools out there right so they have different kind of flexibility so some so data wrapper works mostly in terms of using specific charts so you have chart templates whereas some other tools allow much more freeform kind of um design and development and uh where you have tools with like d3 where you can basically yeah uh, paint (laughs) anything you want right (laughs) so What are your thoughts on that? What how, how do you draw? How do you find the balance between between these two things? Because I think if you have a tool that makes only very specific charts and templates, you can't really do anything else. So if if you have something specific that you want to create, you necessarily have to move on to a different tool, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, um, yeah, very flexible tools are very hard to use. So 
Yeah, I I think these are these are two very different approaches. The the blank canvas tools like D three Illustrator or Lyra or um, the the predefined template tools. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, designers and coders they they tend to prefer having like all the freedoms and just just give me the tools and a free canvas and I just go from there. But um, I think what what many people like about the template approach is uh that this provides some some guidance um yeah and and let's not forget that dataviz is a very complex design space where there's a lot of things that that you can do wrong like you violate one yeah. of the dozens unspoken rules or <laughs> yeah. the police comes again arrests you yeah. on and, Twitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and when you use data wrapper <laughs> templates uh we can at least try to catch a few of these issues and and we're actually thinking quite about it quite a bit about how we can how we can do this um mm. Like from the beginning of the of the project, we were thinking about. Uh, I we we now thought about it as it's kind of a software as a teacher approach, um, where uh, like l- I like the example of our pie charts. Um, so you have some of these classic tools like Excel. Um, they allow the users to create the worst kinds of pie charts, like with a, mm-hmm. a million slices, and they're all different colors, yeah. and you have to <laughs> read this this color key at the bottom. Um, and then, then you have some some of these brand new tools like uh, Q uh, from from Qua, uh, from NZZ that are proudly excluding pie charts entirely. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, like in DataWeb, we try to be somewhere in between, like a like a teacher who isn't just telling you what you shouldn't do, but who's carefully guiding you through the learning uh, experience and. Of course, for some charts, you always uh, need some of these hard rules. Uh, like it's impossible in data wrapper to to make a bar chart with a zero baseline um or you you can you can never make a world map uh, with a mercator projection which is a very important <laughs> thing for me. Uh, but then, uh, we also have a lot of these softer rules where you, where things are possible but we disable them by default so if you mm-hmm. if you throw a large table into a our pie chart template then it will automatically reduce uh, the data set to seven slices, uh, so seven yeah, pie slices, yeah, yeah. and then you have the rest grouped in the others uh, category. And yeah. uh, but users can still override the setting, but it's it requires some of some form of like uh, conscious consciousness about this. So you you have to click make this choice, and you 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 increase the maximum number of slices like one by one, and then you see the chart turning into something you yeah. might not want to want it to be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a related question. So I think when when it happened to me in the past that when I when I talk about these problems that some of the tools have, that they have terrible defaults and they allow too much too much freedom, right? So sometimes the way people respond is like, oh, but it's the customer who's asking me to to do that, right? So yeah. How that. do you balance that, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't buy it completely, but but they do have a point, right? Um, so yeah, how do you balance the need to educate with the fact that hey, it's the customer who's asking that for that, right? So which sounds like <laughs> hey, who who cares? I'm 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 selling shitty food and people are dying, but yeah. but who cares, right? So yeah, I I think we 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 try to to fix that problem um, by. Uh, by carefully being careful about our business model, so we're never promising any uh, any of our users who are paying. Um, uh, we never promise any features, uh, or we we like we we try to listen to their feedback, and and there's a lot of feedback, and people want 
features all kinds of features animated scatter plots and uh but then we we, we take all this <laughs> in and try try to find a, a middle ground where uh where it's still something that is is easy enough to to learn uh as a as a novice user and but yeah, there's some like hidden options that you can activate when when you created your 10th scatter plot you find them maybe um yeah but by 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 separating the business uh aside from from our like software development we we maintain the freedom to uh in in some cases just ignore the the what what clients want when when if we think that it's uh something that we we don't want to see out there in the world then we won't activate this feature in but i but i think it's also important to explain why why we decided to not implement a certain feature um when we get yeah. a request like more than once, I think we really have a deep conversation about why uh, we should and why we shouldn't implement it. And um, I do have some blog posts planned where I explain why we don't have a certain chart type um, in Data Webber. Yeah, this is fantastic. I like the idea of, of companies that actually advertise what they don't have. <laughs> right, I'm proud to say that we don't have this feature. It's like, I think it's a... It's a good approach. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe we should talk a little bit more about what are your future plans with with Data Wrapper. So what's what's gonna happen next? Um, so one thing is that we really want to uh, build up upon is what I just mentioned this uh, this idea that Data Wrapper is is a is someone who is helping you uh, to make make a chart, and so. You you've you've probably you've seen Lisa's work on the what to consider series where she's like going through a chart type and explaining why this is a good idea and why perhaps you should consider another chart type for this. And right now this is a blog post that is on our blog and in in our what we call the Data Wrapper Academy. Um but the a nice idea that we wanna do in the future is to implement some of these uh guidelines into into code so we can integrate them into the chart editor and kind of into uh like interweave this into into the tool um so that's not just two separate things um but there's also new uh visualization uh tools that we want to add there's a new um mapping tool coming up uh which i'm really excited about um and and there's a big uh a big task is the uh reworking of the of the editor ui um mm -hmm. so i really like the the single page approach from tools like raw and maybe that's something we want to go to in the future and there's a lot of code cleanup too so some of the some of this code is, <laughs> is like six, is six years old and it like the internet has yeah. changed entirely since then mm -hmm. so uh yeah and we want to get rid of the of the iframes or or provide a, an alternative option to to directly embed the charts in in the websites because iframes are they have good they have advantages but there's also uh, some some downsides to them so yeah yeah but we should mention like all charts are embeddable like you can put them into any web page pretty much and yeah and and this is technically it's really hard <laughs> it's something that clients <laughs> or like newspapers and so on they love it but it's so hard to do right and so. Yeah, I can totally yeah. sympathize <laughs> with uh, that. It's it's it constantly also requires like r tweaking the approach and making it even better and reacting to changes in the browser landscape and how web pages are built and so on. Yeah, but you you talked about uh, explorables and and this new thing of like 
interactive documents coming up. And I, I kind of see um, the iframe embedding as a bit of a showstopper at this point. Like if you mm -hmm. have a, if you have text or different elements in your story that they kind of want to react to one another, then the first step I, I see is to bring the, the, the chart closer to the, the, the content and, um, Maybe that's something that we can we can help our users with, so that you could tie also the interaction maybe to other yeah, elements or in your you, web you page can show, and, show yeah. hide parts of the chart or uh, mm -hmm. um, we we have some of these older bar charts where you can uh, click through different slides in the data and uh, mm -hmm. and that's something that I don't I don't see data uh, going entirely into this this direction, but uh, uh, I I like I love the idea of like the chart exposing some API that if you're building a, a whole story um, that you can, you can plug into and then you can, you can control the chart in some, some degree um, mm -hmm. reveal something that it's not seen before or um, uh, tweak some of the data in the chart. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because obviously, as you know, there's been a lot of debate about storytelling and explorables <laughs> and like all these, you know, how to, like move beyond a single simple chart and you know put things into a narrative context and stuff like this. Uh, but I think in a way it's great that you say like, okay, let's just do the charting part really well <laughs> and see what people can then uh, do with it. Yeah. Uh, that said, do you have plans like to to provide tools to put chart in a sequence or to yeah, as you say, reveal stuff on interaction or like you know to 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 move more in this um, presentation or narrative direction um there's no we we have we have too many other stuff to 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 work on before we <laughs> we can finalize these uh these ideas but as said the 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 first step is to 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 bring the the charts uh closer to the to the embedding website mm -hmm. and yeah. uh and then um maybe we i i thought about having like some some like reusable templates they, they could even be templates in in other tools like um, um observable that you mentioned um uh how to use a data wrapper chart in there and then you could think about how you could uh let the page interact with the chart or react yeah. to some changes on the page but that's that's more like a more like a nice uh i I'm, i'm just i'm just dreaming about this a little bit uh, <laughs> but That's yeah. like we have to do some housekeeping before. Like that would always be a data wrapper, wrapper, right? <laughs> that, that's a thing. <laughs> Coming up next from the makers of data wrapper, the data wrapper, wrapper. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a crazy idea, and and we 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 actually had some concept uh, concepts for this, but it's it's. I think it's a tough move from like from this tool that lets you create the, the, the components to this meta tool that yeah. lets you arrange them. And I know that other tools and, are... And I really like that you just focus on doing getting the chart part right. And yeah. I think you can also sort of trust that other people might get the sequencing part right or the you know the uh, interactive explorables yeah. part and, 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 I, and use I know, your stuff for that i think and that, i, that I know the work. i know the side of the of the of the person who's building the page in the end because i've done that at the times uh, a lot of times and like i know that at, at this side i want i want maximum control and i don't yeah. think that that there's it's easy to to create a tool that lets you explore all the options like yeah 
yeah. like there's mobile and you have some like swiping that hasn't that isn't working <laughs> in the mobile app and or that isn't work that it's working on the mobile app but it's not working in the mobile preview on the Twitter app and like if I've done I've been like deep into this so I'm kind of I'm kind of cautious to go into that yeah yeah so, good call and it's so, also it's also a different product and I I'm I'm yeah. afraid of losing the focus on on what we do good at Data Wrapper by like working on a different product yeah yeah. No, that makes sense. That's great. Lisa, do you have any like burning blog posts coming up that uh, <laughs> you can uh, excite us about? Yeah. Um, wow. Well, right now I'm just working on a blog post about diverging stacked bar charts. Um, Ooh, yeah. Ooh. It's yes. a hot topic. It's a hot <laughs> topic. Diverging, diverging stacked bar I don't know. Charts. Have you looked that up? <laughs> <laughs> It's really yeah. very interesting. It's like mostly used for polls, like where you um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. show like the oh, percentage yeah. of people who agree, totally agree, like strongly agree, yeah, yeah. Uh, strongly disagree, neutral, um, oh, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that will be published by the time this this podcast is out. Um, <laughs> that's great. So we can link to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Perfect. Yeah. Another good good way to look at data wrapper possibilities is the river. I really like the river. So it's a long page. It's really long. Yeah, and there's all kinds of charts made with data wrapper, and you can see all the possibilities. And you can click to reuse individual charts. So it's um, yeah. Are these charts are they coming from your clients or where where do they come from? They're coming from from users who just made the charts and decided to share them with other users. Yeah, that's and great. Yeah, yeah, there was an experiment to see if we could um, like we are always looking into uh, lowering the, the entry barrier to making charts. And uh, we tried a lot to make data wrapper easy to use and uh, come up with good defaults for all these templates. But but then there's always this big step before you, you come to data wrapper, that is you need to find the data and you need to somehow convert the data from this like weird Excel. Like if you're lucky, you have an Excel file, but that's not the right format that you need for this chart template for instance and we know that this is a this is always like a a, a big first step to make if you're in a, on a on a tight schedule or you don't have the resources to do it and so we 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 saw like maybe there's like users who want to share their charts and other users who uh yeah. who just need something either for just inspiration or maybe there's something that um that journalists and other newsrooms have published and they're shared with other users and then you could just reuse it for your own website. Or we see, I've, we've seen uh, already users, uh, translating charts. That's also a big thing that mm -hmm. someone makes a chart about climate change and then, uh, but it's in English and then someone translates it to, to Swedish or whatever. And then, yeah. And, uh, we didn't want to, like, we, in data wrapper, all this, all the stuff you create is private by default. So there's no, um, no free account where everything you do is, uh, is, is public. So everything is private by default. So mm -hmm. that's why we added this extra step where you, you are allowed, you're, uh, you're able to, to, um, free your charts for the, for reuse if you want to, but you don't have to. And, and all the charts right. that are free nice. uh, are on this river page. And yeah, that's only coming, uh, came out like a month ago and we're still, uh, watching this and, and seeing, uh, how this goes. Yeah, but it's really nice to f just browse through. And I can totally see, like, if you like, you need inspiration for a chart, you just flip through all the charts there and you're like, oh, I could do something like this. And then you have a starting point already. So that's, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I think we, we should wrap it up soon. Um, 
yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great to to see you work on this in the last few weeks. There's so much good stuff coming out uh, the last few weeks and months from Data Rapper. So if you can only keep up half of that tempo, I think we will have a great, <laughs> yeah. great entertainment and also great like tools for <laughs> over the, the whole yeah, we next only time. Started, so, yeah. We only uh, started recently. Just yeah. get ready for more. <laughs> wow. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. No, it's it's great to see. And I, I think you're filling a, a really a good gap there and with a very smart tool. So, yeah, it's great. Thanks so much uh, for coming on. Everybody check out Data Rapper as not the rapper like in hip hop, but with like the gift. Yeah? So it's with we, we, actually, we actually bought that domain as well. Because we, <laughs> We we we, th yeah. we we saw some of the traffic coming through that search term and then we saw it. <laughs> one two one two. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye bye. 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 Bye bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories.